Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Learner's Corner. This is the podcast for lifelong learners where we learn from anything and everything. My name is Caleb Mason. My name's Todd Hicksonball, and I'm just here so I won't get fired. And today, we are going to be learning from Mario Lazzarotti, who is the COO of the company All and Sundry. Now, Mario is a cool guy because, A, he's Italian. If you couldn't tell by his last name, Lanzarotti, he's Italian. And two, he, he's the COO of this organization, um, All and Sundry, and they're, they're just doing some crazy stuff with, with shoes. Now, we're both men, so men aren't usually known as being people who are obsessed with shoes. I don't know, Todd. I know some guys who are obsessed with shoes. All right, maybe I won't make a blanket statement. I'm sorry for all of you right now who are yelling at me into the device saying that I'm, I'm, being, I'm stereotyping people. That's fine. Um, but they're doing some crazy stuff uh, with shoes and just the process. And so we were so excited to be able to talk with him. However, at the same time, we almost didn't get to pull this interview off. And so we we were just so excited whenever it actually happened because, oh my gosh, Mario is just full of information. He is full of just this passion. passion. So passionate about what what, what he does and what All and Sundry does and how they make custom shoes for people and do it at a great price to be able to fit into people's price range who might not normally be able to, to purchase handcrafted shoes. And you're gonna find a lot of takeaways from Mario that you can apply into your own life even if you don't happen to run a shoe company. And with that, we are going to jump into our conversation with Mario Lazzarotti right now. We're about that action, boss. Well, welcome to the podcast, Mario. We're so excited to have you on to talk about All and Sundry. Thank you very much, Kale, for having me. It's a pleasure being with you today, and I look forward to sharing as much as I can. So, you know, as as uh, we dive in and start talking, why don't you tell us a little bit about your role in Allen Sundry? Sure. So my role, I'm the COO. I am uh, a co-founder and partner in the company. I have been with All and Sundry since 2014. I started as an intern because I was living here in New York for six months. I was studying in Berlin fashion management, and I had to find an internship here at the time after I studied at Berkeley College. And uh, for me, it was very clear that I didn't want to work for a major company. I didn't want to just sit in a marketing department. I wanted to do something where I could have an impact. And so I was looking for startups. And then I came across this uh, small startup called All and Sundry at a trunk show here based uh, out of the Esquire magazine office. And my now business partner was presenting some of the shoes. He was still doing uh, equity sales and finance. And I approached him. I said, I love the shoes. They're beautiful. Uh, tell me a little bit about them. So uh, he told me the story that you can freely 3D design your own pair of custom shoes on the website. You can choose different leathers, different fabrics, different colors, different patterns, complementary monogram. They will be tailor-made to your feet. And I was blown away by the concept. At the time, it was more of a passion project because he was working full-time and he was looking for people to help him. So I did approach him and asked, how about this? I'll work with you um, because I need an internship, but under the premise that I have the opportunity to come on board as a co-founder and partner. And he said, okay, you've got balls, young man. Let's see if that uh, really makes sense for both of us. But I like where the way you're thinking. So 
I did join with four other interns. I, um, excuse my French, busted my ass and uh, just hustled all day long. I didn't didn't really party much at the time here, um, but I was happy. I loved the concept. I loved working with the with the team, and ended up managing the other interns. Then worked my way through customer service and sourcing. I was given the title chief happiness officer first because so many customers of ours were happy. And in all the emails, you could always see happy, happy, happy. I was like, what are we doing with this 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 happiness thing? And so he said, ah, why don't we name you chief happiness officer? And people loved it. And so I kept on working. I went back to Germany. I didn't have a contract. I didn't have an agreement. I didn't see any money for probably two years. All I had was faith and a handshake. And that was good enough for me because I wanted to come back to New York because I love the city. I love the people. I love the working environment, the, the, the anything is possible mantra. And it worked out. So I came back three days after I graduated. I didn't have a visa, so I was not allowed to work. I was an intern again. I wasn't allowed to earn any money, so I had to live off my own savings from Germany and slept on friends' couches, so the typical founder story, and then uh, got my official working visa this year in February. And now I pretty much run the company. My partner has uh, taken a step back more towards the strategic uh, partnerships and doing more on the on the technical end, and um, it's been a fantastic journey ever since. So going back to your story, you know the thing that stood out to me is like where where does that courage come from to ask the yeah. founder of the company, <laughs> hey, I'm in, I want to be in, but I want to be the co-founder. Where did, where does that come from? <laughs> So uh, I guess I always had a big mouth um, and I always had a bigger sister to protect me when I was young. So I used to go up to uh, like these big kids. Uh, they were 18 years old and I was 12 or something with my friends. And I was like, hey, you can, what are you going to do? I was like, taking their balls and like just doing dumb stuff. But always keeping in the back of my mind, I have a Sicilian sister and no one messes with my sister. And that was the truth. If, if ever I was to go back home and say, Sara, Sara, this, this boy did something to me, she would come down and just beat the crap out of them. So I was very confident at a young age because I knew that I was well taken care of. Um, and back in Berlin, before I came to New York, I also did the same thing pretty much. I, I was interning for a consulting company, well, a smaller consulting company, but they were working on luxury projects like uh, luxury ex exhibitions at the Russian embassy. I was the one organizing that together with my, uh, with my, he was my boss, but after the internship, he offered me a partnership deal because I also helped start up Uber in Berlin. So they were freshly introduced into Berlin and I, I sought them out and I said, Hey guys, we're doing this luxury ex exhibition. How about you provide the sponsorship for the, um, for the people there? Because those people all have money. So I think it's a great network for you to tap in. And that's exactly what they did. They invested around 40,000 euros at the time. And it was a major success. And then they asked me to become a brand ambassador for them. And that's what I did uh, for a few months with them. It was great. It was fun. And then my partner saw the potential. And he then said, so why don't you come on board as a, as a consulting partner? But I was still a student at the time. So keeping that in, in the back of my mind, I said, hey, it worked once, might as well work again. And I, what, what do I have to lose? The, the worst thing that can happen is, is a no. And the way I see it, every no is a, is a step closer to a yes. So I just asked and it worked out. Awesome. So, you know, another, another theme that I hear throughout your story is, you know, you just kicking butt 
at, you know, the, in the position that you're in so much so that, you know, you get elevated to the next position and then you, you kick butt at that one and then you elevate to the next one. What would you say are like some of the key behaviors that you've done that have, um, that have helped lead to your success and promotion to different positions? So a few things I would say, mainly being very committed to my word. So if I say something, if I commit to a project, then that will become a priority. And I won't make up excuses for myself. Oh, I didn't have time or I didn't know this or that person said this. Rather than blaming other people, I look at the situation not from a self-blaming point, but from a healthy position and trying to learn something. What is something that I could do better next time that will allow me to avoid this uncomfortable situation. So if I did miss out on a customer and we lost some money, I would feel really bad. But rather than locking myself into my bedroom, I would think, okay, what's the process that I could implement to be better, more efficient? I would just be on time. I guess that's a very German thing to be on time. And uh, surprisingly, that has been one of the one of the greatest uh, key success factors for me, always being on time, um, keeping my word. Of course, I'm a human being. I'm not perfect. I can't always keep my word. But most of the times I have. And just being consistent and persistent. I mean, especially persistent. And, and that's also something that I have brought into the culture here of All and Sundry. And you mentioned earlier with Zoe. So we're very organized um, most of the times and uh, very persistent. So if we don't get an explicit no, leave me alone. I don't want your service. I don't want your product. We'll keep coming back at you. We'll keep coming back at you. And we come in a nice way. <clears throat> we don't make it sound like um, you did something wrong because I understand people are super busy. They don't always have time and shoes are not, not at the priority of everyone's list. So making sure that we have a system in place that allows us to follow up, to have all the information, uh, even with other people. So if one of my colleagues meets a person, a, a potential customer or a partner, then she will make sure that we have all the information that I will understand, okay, what's the status quo here? So I can step in and say, hey, John, by the way, last month you were speaking with my colleague, wanted to pick up the conversation. And then they say, oh, and this, this happened several times. In fact, I had a client who flew me into Florida last month and he bought several pairs of shoes. And he said, I'll pay for your flight. I'll, I'll commit to a minimum amount of, of shoes. Um, and I only do this because you guys kept on following up so many times. The first time we contacted him was last year. And we stayed on top of him. Because he said, oh, contact me in a few months. And we did. Contact me in the summer. And we did. And by doing all of that, you gain a lot of credit, credibility, even as a small brand, and you show people that you really mean what you say. And that has helped to, to great success. So tell us a little bit about what's happening with Al and Sandri right now. So right now, the biggest project that we have in the pipeline is our Kickstarter campaign number three. So we are we have partnered up with four NFL athletes. Um, two of them being one is Nate Burleson, the host of Good Morning Football and NFL Today. The other is Rashad Jennings, who's uh, the who just won Dancing with the Stars and. Um, these four athletes have each designed one pair of shoes in four different colors. Every time you will purchase a pair of shoes, we will donate a pair to a local craftsman in Kenya who makes shoes for kids. Because in Kenya, 90% of the kids walk barefoot to school and we are there to change that. 
So that's a massive campaign we're working on at the moment, um, getting the shoes uh, next week. And then we will start shooting the, the, the pictures and the campaign video. And then we're talking with TV stations and the major news outlets to really kick this off to the next level. So that's the biggest project that's in the pipeline. We are also working with a couple of uh, luxury hotels here in the city. I can't share, share the names yet, but that will be a, um, a collaboration which will first begin in New York, but then spread out across the globe. And then we have also another bigger collaboration fall, which will be with a very, very well-known TV show produced by Sony. Again, unfortunately, I can't share the name because it's not official yet, but uh, contracts have been signed. So that's coming out. We are also moving our manufacturing for custom shoes to Italy at the moment. So I'm in the process of, of doing that. Because right now we operate out of a our own manufacturing, which is close to Hong Kong. So the leather still comes from Italy directly, and the artisans make everything by hand. But because I'm Italian, and because of the time difference, and of the label made in Italy, we decided to move production. So it sounds to me like you guys just have a lot of a lot of different balls that you're kind of juggling right now. Um, and, and how big is your guys' team? Like, how big is the team um, that works out of out of the, your New York offices? So right now, it's my partner and myself. Then we have uh, two more colleagues, two more colleagues working here in the office. And then we have the lady you spoke with, Zoe, who works remote. She does more of the technical stuff. Then we have a tech team of two people. Production is around eight to ten people, depending on the season. And then we have some sales reps, but they don't really work. They're not employed with All in Summary. They they do work on the side and they uh, make a few sales here and there. But yeah, I think that's it. So how do you manage like a huge project with uh, that many staff? I mean, that's a relatively small staff for the operation and then all the things you guys are right. doing. Like, how do you manage that tension and like, how do you continue to put out quality products that, I mean, you just said, you know, NFL athletes now are, are, are endorsing this thing. Like, how do you maintain your quality um, and still manage this many projects? I mean, we have a very strict guideline when it comes to quality. So uh, we won't accept anything that, that goes be below that, that quality checklist. And we have done that over the last three years by working with customers and really talking to them and understanding what are the pain points, what is something that we could improve, what is something that, that in an ideal world would be better. Because even though the product is $4.95, the value that you're getting is, is twice that. Right. And we want to keep that, that promise. We want to still source the best materials we can find at the price point we're offering the shoes. So we're not looking to increase the price point for that uh, quality. Then we, so that personally, I, whenever I work with people, I try to empower them as much as possible because I don't want them to think as employees. I want them to think as entrepreneurs. And that's the way I was brought up. That's the way I did it. I was brought up in my first internship in Berlin where I became a partner. That's the way I, uh, my partner trained me here when I joined the company. And we keep on having that mantra with everyone. So we're very transparent with what is going on. We don't really see ourselves as a, as a company, more as a family. So we really take care of each other and we're interested in more than just business. 
Um, so for instance, my partner and I were both very spiritual. We both meditate daily. Um, we're uh, both, uh, so he's vegetarian, I'm vegan. So we're very conscious about that. So we're always trying to, to implement things that go beyond just working with each other. Then the different projects, I would say, because we empower each other so much, we there's a great deal of trust in the company. So even if we get an intern on board, that intern will be, I don't, it's not even a training, it's a coaching more. So I work with interns, like they stay by my side pretty much all day long. And then I share all the information, I share all the details, I'll tell them exactly how to talk to customers, how to talk to partners what to expect, what to do outside of the company that helps. And I don't don't teach them in a way that only applies to all and sundry, but I tell them, hey, this is something that you can take out in the real world and apply to your personal life or to any other internship. So we always try to get what that person wants. So I ask, what are your goals? And then I try to do my best to align with those goals. And that's what we do with everyone in the company. So going, I want to go back to what you were saying earlier about you know, you're, you're partnering with these NFL athletes, you know, you're, you're working on luxury hotels and even with a TV show, you know, what have you find or found to be like some of the keys to making like a big ask of people or like willing to, um, willing to ask something big for someone? Because that's what it sounds like to me is that, you know, you're, you're partnering with Nate Burleson and Rashad Jennings, who probably quite a few of our listeners know who they are and they're thinking, man, I, I know them. Like they're, they're named NFL athletes. And then you're hearing like luxury <laughs> hotels and then you're hearing like possibly a TV show. What? Like, is it just boldness? Is it just persistence? What are some of the keys to like initiating those initiatives? Right. So great question. I think the the premise for all of this is quality and that goes back to the product, that goes back to the, the people we are because I see ourselves as quality people. We have not taken up any investor money at this point. Everything is bootstrapped. We have some family members that have invested a bit of money, but nothing significant and have really put our heart and soul into the business from day one and kept it that way. So... The business has been grown purely by word of mouth, and that's going back to the title Chief Happiness Officer, because so many clients were happy with the overall experience. So we're not just selling a product, because quite frankly, you could go out to a human market, buy a early pair of dress shoes for a similar price point. It's not custom made. But you still get good quality, you get, a, you get to wear a nice brand. So it's not only the product. What I have experienced is that people buy more into the, the way you make them feel rather than the, the actual product. That doesn't mean that your product should be crap. Not at all. Your product should be top-notch. But there are a lot of top-notch products out there. So the feeling that you give someone is much more important. And this experience that we have been able to deliver from day one because we care so much about the customers has helped us to grow really through word of mouth and going back to the athlete question so the very first athlete we collaborated with was cam chandler from the seattle seahawks Mm -hmm. a super bowl champion so it's funny how that actually came into being because he ended up buying a pair of shoes on our website and then uh shipped it to him neither my partner or i are big football fans and me coming from europe i don't i didn't know a single player 
I saw that someone tagged us on Instagram. I, I just briefly looked and I said, Cam Trans is, oh, okay, Cam Trans is cool. But then I noticed we received two or 300 new followers that day. And I said, oh, wow, that's great. Because our following wasn't that big at, at the time. And I asked my partner, dude, did you buy any followers? And he said, what? I don't even know how to do that. So it, something must have happened. And I did some research and I saw Cam Trans, the football. I said, oh, wow, okay. And I saw he had like half a million followers. He said, oh, this is great. Awesome. So I reached out and I said, thank you so much for sharing the love. Really appreciate it as a small brand, blah, 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 blah. And then his stylist, Dex Rob, replied. And he said to me, um, uh, no problem. He loves the shoes. Why don't we sit down and talk a bit? And so Dex came over to New York here. He, he's based in New York to our showroom. And then we started a conversation. And he told, told us that normally Cam doesn't really buy his own stuff because he works with a stylist who's able to deliver the best possible outfits. And he said, yeah, it was quite unusual because Cam just went to your website and bought a pair of shoes and he loved it. So we then said, why don't we do something beyond just this? And then he said, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's let's talk some more. And then nine months down the line, we developed a shoe collection for Cam, nine pairs of shoes. We flew to Seattle, had a major launch event there with all the athletes and the team. It was a great success. So... That was really the starting point. And that's when people started looking at us and say, okay, wow, these guys are legit. Not only do they have great quality shoes and this great service, but also big names that are coming aboard. Then we had some other influencers, again, that ended up wearing our shoes without us paying them or, or asking them to do so. Like, uh, are you familiar with Ryan Serhan from the Million Dollars thing? Yep. Yeah, so he was wearing one of our shoes. Um, I met him personally. Uh, three years ago, very nice guy, very humble. And uh, so that has helped us like step-by-step step building up other partnerships that has give, given us more credibility. And then when Nate came on board, he of course saw Cam. So Cam for us was a great marketing tool and he, he uh, knows Cam as well. So that has helped us with one of our team members who's very well versed in the athlete space. She connected us through a TV show that we did. It was... Um, uh, called uh, what's, uh, damn it, no, I forgot the name. So, anyways, it's it's a it's a show on Sports Illustrated. Um, they dress for the day. There we go. I hope she doesn't hear it. I'm sorry, Anisha. <laughs> so, the, on that show, we we actually ended up meeting Nate, and we made a pair of shoes for him. He's a really cool guy, and then we said, why don't we do something down the line together? And then that idea came together of, hey, let's in, let's involve more athletes which we were then introduced to from their stylist. Because if you, if you approach the stylist and you make the stylist happy, then the stylist will open the door to the athlete. So rather than directly approaching the stylist or the company you want to work with, try to find a, a more passive approach, right? Around the corner approach, if you will. So that has helped us greatly get into, get, put the, the, the foot into the doorstep with the athletes. You know, Another thing that I keep hearing you talk about over and over again is just this happiness factor. And you know that it's more important of how you make people feel. What are some of the things that you've done to help create that happiness factor in people and in your customers? First of all, treat everyone the same way. Whether and that's whether we're talking to a CEO of a billion-dollar company, for instance, the CEO of Google uh, is a client of ours. He came to the New York office, wonderful person. I mean, down to earth, humble, very interested, very nice. And just treat everyone the same. Be, we're very transparent 
with our story. So most of the time when we meet people here for a custom fitting, I give them my uh, a pitch of my story and how the company came into being. And that is what people really love and, and worship. Um, be very open and honest about mistakes. Of course, we're, we're a company, a business like any other will make, make mistakes, but don't try to, don't try to not talk about mistakes. So I'm always very open. And if we did mess up, I call the customers personally and apologize and say, hey, let's make this right. I want to get this right for you. And then we have gone above and beyond. So we've done shoes for people with uh, with very bad knees that weren't able to find a pair of dress shoes. So they had to wear sneakers all their life. But that was really embarrassing because if you're a lawyer or in work in finance and you have to make a flawless appearance, otherwise uh, your first impression is out the door. So... We've done a lot that was outside of what we have offered in terms of service. And I think it's also one of the great lessons that, that many successful entrepreneurs tell you, always do more than what you're paid for. And we have definitely done that. We have delivered a lot of value to our clients, um, whether it is going through their offices, traveling out of town to meet them, uh, flying to another city, um, making things happen that normally are not within the scope of what we offer and um yeah that has really created a lot of happiness when people wear a pair of shoes for the first time that they weren't able to wear for the last 20 years then you get a lot of happy faces yeah so you know thinking back through the history of all and sundry you know what have been some of the major challenges and obstacles that you've had to face in overcoming those and how have you overcome those so of course both my partner and I have not have had any major experience in fashion. I mean, I did study fashion management, but I never had my own company up to this point, and certainly not in New York City in the fashion space. I mean, it's highly competitive. Uh, one of the major challenges just from the custom shoe perspective is getting the fit right. That's mm. one of the reasons why you don't really see other companies in uh, do what we do. And uh, many have tried, many have failed. And if they offer custom shoes, then at a much, much higher price point. And also the, the lead times are usually up to half a year, even longer than that. So I would say that has been one of the challenges, the fit. But we were able to work closely with a lot of our clients. And since they were so happy about the concept and the way we treated them, they also were much more patient. And that patience has allowed us to tweak the process here and there. Then I would say, of course, marketing, because we are a bootstrap company and because we have a highly niche product and not everyone can afford this, this type of product. And not everyone, most of people don't even know. They don't even know custom shoes. What is a custom shoe? What does that mean? What, what can I do with a pair of custom shoes? So when we came out, customization was not as hot as it is now. It was more of the upcoming topic and we were sort of the pioneers. And if you're a pioneer, then you are met with a lot of challenges. Marketing is something that we have mastered by word of mouth, by really focusing on the few customers that we had in the beginning, but making sure that these guys are absolutely happy. And that meant what I said, going above and beyond for everyone uh, at any given time. Um, other challenges, making sure when we work with partners, with retailers, or even with no, um, other employees that come in that really get what we are about. 
really understand what what goes into making a pair of custom shoes. There are over 200 steps involved into making a pair like this. Um, when people come here, managing the expectations correctly, because when you hear custom or bespoke, people think of a three four thousand dollar shoe, and that is perfectly legit. But we sell shoes at four ninety five, so we're not able to meet the same request you get at a three or four thousand dollar pair of shoes. Right? We are, I would say, from a quality standpoint, more in the range of a thousand dollars, which is still fantastic. But some people have expectations that go beyond the moon, so very important to manage that. If you have someone on board who's not trained well, who doesn't really understand all these things, then you make a promise for something that we can't deliver. And what happens at the end of the day, even even if we delivered what we would normally deliver, and most people are happy with that, but some people's expectations are not met. And when they're not met, people aren't happy. So, you know, not all of our audience may be familiar with shoe customization. So can you talk a little bit about what that is? Sure. So... As opposed to off-the-rack shoes, where you would just go by to a regular shoe department store and pick a pair you like, maybe a black Oxford in size 10 or a size 10 wide, if you're lucky, that that really is the end of the, the whole process of buying shoes off the rack. You can't pick anything differently. Custom, there's two sides of custom. So there's custom style, which allows you to pretty much design the shoe yourself, different patterns, different fabrics, different colors, mix and match all of that. And then there's custom style, a uh, custom fit, which is the much, much more challenging part. We take four measurements. So the, the length, the width, the height, and the instep of the foot. Those four measurements allow us to really get the perfect fit for your foot. Custom works in a way where our craftsmen have a set of lasts the last is nothing else but the wooden shape of your of your foot, which the shoemaker needs in order to create the upper of the shoe. And based on those lasts, let's say you're a size 10, but you have a very wide foot or a very high instep, the craftsman will look at the size 10, look at your measurements, and then adjust according to the measurements. So add uh, two centimeters here, add two centimeters there, um, change that by a centimeter more to the back, along those lines. That's custom. We also do bespoke, where we make a bespoke last from scratch, and that is for people that have very, very big feet, very large sizes, small feet, very, very wide feet, um, or even deformed feet. We have had clients from the, the medical sector with broken feet, broken ankles, which were swelling up to, to something that I have never seen before in my life. But we were able to help them out and make them make them a beautiful pair of shoes. That would then fall in the bespoke process, and that bespoke process requires us to charge a one-time investment of three hundred and fifty dollars, as opposed to most brands that charge you starting prices at a thousand dollars. So tell us a little bit about you know, you, and you've told us a little bit about what the future holds for All and Sundry. Would you mind just telling a little bit more about like what's to come in the future over the next year or so? Sure. So right now we so right now the, the sizing process is still manual because we found that that's still the most accurate way of getting the fit right. We are working on a sizing app that will eliminate the manual measuring part. So all you need to do is step on a piece of paper and we take some pictures and that's 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 it pretty much. The other solution uh, would be a, a physical scanning device where you step your foot in and then it will be scanned from all sides of the foot. 
that would allow us to get a 3D image recreation of your actual foot, and then the shoemakers would make the shoes based on that. Mm -hmm. So that goes as far as speaking about sizing. Then we are, of course, always working to expand uh, what we're offering. I mean, I'm, I'm, I always get the question, when are you offering women's shoes? We would love to see women's shoes. And I always say, I have too, too many ladies in my family. They'll drive me into bankruptcy because I only need free shoes. So I'll <laughs> wait a bit. <laughs> um, but it's definitely something that we're considering on the horizon. Mm. We are also, so I'm always playing with the idea, since I mentioned at the beginning that I'm vegan, that I'm uh, looking to find a way of making beautiful vegan custom dress shoes or even a line of vegan sneakers. So that's not something that is yet fixed, but I'm always researching and looking to do something along those lines. We are also implementing custom reversible belts. We've done a Kickstarter, successful Kickstarter campaign on custom reversible belts. Um, actually, I uh, can't show you one. Your, your, your viewers can't see, right? They can only listen. Yeah. So... Those belts are coming right out of Italy. Um, we still offer them uh, with some of our retailers and then here and there, but it's not an ex ex essential part of the website at the moment, but that will come in the near future. We are also updating the website. We're, we're pretty much making the process much easier because we found that with so much choice we have on the website, it can be overwhelming. And customers really want someone to tell them, Hey, John, that's a pair you can wear to work. That's something you can wear after work. And you're totally not looking like the biggest douchebag when you come to the office. <laughs> um, you know, one thing that I've heard you mention a couple of times is Kickstarter. And so, yes. you know, I'm sure, you know, some of our audience, you know, they use Kickstarter. What have you found to be like one or two keys that are essential whenever, you know, using Kickstarter? So, first of all, Kickstarter is a great, great marketing tool, especially if you're a bootstrap company, if you're someone who's just starting. I think Kickstarter is a fantastic tool to really promote your idea, your business, or whatever it is you want to promote. There are a lot of projects on Kickstarter that simply fail because they're not well thought through and they're not well done in the presentation. So, a major part, and that's also something we've learned in the beginning, are pictures. So lifestyle pictures. If you have a fashion brand or even any other brand, pictures tell the story of what you're offering your audience. And if you're not clear with what you're offering your audience, if they don't, don't understand what they're getting, then uh, you might confuse them. Then the pictures are not clear. They don't look as nice. And then people are disappointed. So really showing people on Kickstarter, especially what are they getting? And not only that, how can they use it? So we learned very quickly in the first Kickstarter campaigns that people only saw shoes and just a few lifestyle pictures, and they were confused. They're like, okay, I see this beautiful pair of shoes here, but how can I wear this? What can I do with this? Mm -hmm. Tell me a little about it. So the visuals are super important. The video is key. The video is something that is very, very important that people want to understand quickly because attention span is going down and down and down with all the multitasking we're doing today, that what it is you're trying to bring across. What's your message? Why would I care? How, what, what does this do for me? So all these things have to go into the message of the Kickstarter video. And then that, I think, is the maker or the breaker of the campaign the first day, if not the first few days. Getting as much traction as you can on the first few days is really crucial. And that means 
PR, a lot of PR, a lot of exposure, a good social media strategy, good marketing strategy. Uh, like people, I would, so this is something we do most of the time is already getting pre-orders from your existing clients. If you're a new brand who's just starting out, like reach out to all your friends, everyone you know, and tell them, hey, I'm starting my Kickstarter campaign September 1st. I would really, really appreciate if you could help me get as much momentum on day one as po humanly possible. And then tell them, please sign up here. Um, I mean, I even went so far to get payment information because many of my clients just prefer it that way. They give me the payment information and say, Mario, just be, do it for me because I'm super busy. Because what will happen is you get 100 people that tell you, yeah, sure, Mario, we'll be there day one, we'll join, absolutely. You send them a reminder the day before, you send them a reminder in the morning, and then... 70% of them drop out, not because they don't like it or because they don't want to do it anymore, but simply because they're too busy. They're not, they don't have this at the top of their priority list. So it just falls down. And then that's again, something you ask yourself beforehand, you say, okay, what is something that I could do to prevent this? So the ideal scenario would be, okay, I have all their payment information and tell them, Hey John, I'll do this for you. All I need is your email and your payment information. That's it. And then you do it yourself on Kickstarter if that's necessary, because you need to have that momentum on day one. You know, one question that, um, you know, as we get ready to wrap up that we always love to ask our guests is, you know, what, what are you learning right now? You know, what, what are you working on? What are you learning uh, to improve yourself right now? That's a, that's a good one. Um, I mean, you never stop learning. If, if the moment comes, you're, you, you feel that you stop learning, then you should do something different with your life because it's a, it's a sign of things are not going the way they should go. I always try to have the beginner's mindset. Like, like Jeff Bezos from Amazon said, it's always day one, which I think is the reason why Amazon is so, so freaking successful. And I try to do that as well. I, I try to unlearn things uh, the way I was brought up in the beginning in, in, in my childhood and look at things from a different angle. Because a great quote by, um, by one of my favorite speakers is, is, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change, uh, changes. So your way of looking at things determines the meaning, determines what, what happens actually. Because if, if, if I say, the, I let this phone fall down on the floor, it means one thing to me and it means one thing to another person, right? Who is to say what is right? But your reaction to that event is determined by the meaning. So I always try to, to change the meaning. If I have an angry customer who calls me and says, Mari, I want my money back. Uh, the shoes came without shoe polish. Uh, your company is terrible. And I, then I could say, um, sorry, but nowhere on the website does it say you get shoe polish with it. How did you come into a, how did you get this idea? Rather than saying that, I say, hey, John, that's a great point. I really appreciate your feedback. You're totally right. This is something we should definitely implement in the future. Please keep in mind, we don't mention that anywhere on the website. You may have confused something, but I understand we should have been more clear in our communication. That's a completely different approach than saying, uh, I'm sorry, but it doesn't say anywhere. That's your problem, right? Mm -hmm. The customer leaves with a totally different experience. So really changing the meaning and, and understanding how did I view things two years ago? Because if I take the, the same thing that I had two years ago to a problem that exists today, I won't really change it because the problems that arise today or the challenges that arise today need a new type of thinking. I need to adjust my thinking. And I'm personally a big, big fan of personal development. So my, that's also my passion. I run a website called The Power in You. 
and I also do coaching and public speaking. So I mostly empower young students and millennials, and that's really absolutely my a, a topic that is very dear to my heart. So of course I apply it to myself and to the company and to everyone who comes in touch with us. Well, it sounds like we're going to have to have you back and talk about, you know, what you were just talking about with the the power of you. Is that what you were saying? The power in you. The power in you. Yeah. We'll need to have you back for another episode to talk about (laughs) that. I would be delighted to talk about it. I have a lot of stories uh, that lead into how I came to New York and what I did before because, and I, I don't think we have time now, but I was um, I was becoming a pilot for Lufthansa in Germany before I went into the, the fashion realm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I quit that because I was uh, depressed and unhappy. I was suicidal. I hated my life. I was, I was a different person. Mm-hmm. So I was forced to transform myself. And uh, that's the message that I want to give to other people especially young people because it's never too late to change and uh all it is is up here it's all a mindset game awesome well hey thanks so much for joining us today mario if people want to learn from you more if they want to um, find out about all in sandra you know how can they do that so you can of course visit us at all that's a w l a n d s u n d r y.com you can find us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, and just by typing in all in sundry. Um, you can reach us at uh, wecare at allinsundry.com. So that's W-E-C-A-R-E um, at allinsundry.com. And you can find me personally also on Instagram. Uh, it's my name. So it's at mario.lanzarotti. And I would be very happy to your story whoever is listening and to share some uh share some wisdom hopefully i can uh contribute any value in any way great thanks so much mario my pleasure thank you very much for having me on the show guys my takeaway from that interview with with mario was a couple things first off great great interview and great organization to kind of look at in terms of of a valuing your employees right Um, He just talks so much about valuing your employees and making sure that everybody knows, hey, even though, you know, for them, you know, they're in a context where they don't have a whole lot of of people working in the offices with them. Hey, they're all still part of the same team, right? I mean, and they're all there working and pulling towards the same goal. Two, customer satisfaction. I mean, these these people are off the charts. Above and beyond. Above and beyond in terms of trying to make sure that all of the needs of a customer are met. And then, and then my third big takeaway is um, just how awesome it was to listen to his Italian acts. I'm just kidding. My third takeaway is when we think about customization, when we think about really trying to be specific and not just specific about um, major things, right, like style of shoe, but even down to lacing and, and every aspect of what they were trying to do, they're trying to give access to the customer to being able to have exactly what they want in a shoe, in a custom shoe that, you know, these people are paying money to, to be able to consume their product. And so it was a great, great thing to listen to, especially it doesn't have to be if you're in business world. It could be in nonprofit world. It could be in, in any type of of atmosphere where you deal with people, which is almost every con- context that you'll find yourself in. Great interview to be able to listen to um, and kind of just glean some information about customer satisfaction, leading your people well, and also being able to give the customer as much um, customization options as possible. 
And on our next episode, we're going to be talking with Jared Hogue, who is the co-founder of the company called Creative Sheep. And we're really going to be talking with him about what it means to be an entrepreneur and how, how really to excel in entrepreneurship as well as other things as well. The best way to make sure you don't miss our next episode is by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and pretty much any other podcast player that you have or choose to listen to this podcast on. If you want to see some of our key takeaways from this episode, or if you want to hear some of the show notes or um, resources that we listed in this episode, check out our show notes. Now, in the show notes, unfortunately, we don't have access to high quality pictures of ourselves so that you can actually see us due to the fact that we break every camera we take pictures on. But what you can find instead is you can find all sorts of things. You can find tweets. So you can just go hit the click to tweet, tweet that thing out, makes you look smarter, makes you look cooler. You can also find, like Caleb said, links, all sorts of things directly to information that we have talked about in the podcast. You can find it all in one spot. All you have to do is swipe up, swipe down, or hit the little I button and discover the show notes. Show notes are what all the cool kids are doing nowadays. Make sure that you check those out. And one of my favorite ways that I use show notes whenever I listen to a podcast is if someone mentions a book, I'll typically go to the show notes. That way I can just click on there and it'll automatically take me to Amazon or whatever. Because sometimes it can be a little bit difficult finding the book on your own. This podcast has helped you in any way. You can show your appreciation by leaving a rating or writing a review of our podcast on iTunes or on the podcast player that you use. It's our best way to continue to share what we're learning about and for you to share the conversations that we get to have each and every single week. Guys, hit the rating, leave us a review. Otherwise, I'll cry. It only takes about 15 seconds. So take 15 seconds and make sure that Todd doesn't cry. You can also show your appreciation by hitting us up hitting us up on social media. You can like our Facebook page. You can post quotes from the episode on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. You can like some of our pictures throughout the week to where we'll have quotes from the episode. And the best way to do that is you can find us on Instagram at our handle at the Learners Corner or on Twitter at Learners Podcast. Until next time, keep learning and keep growing.